Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. We have a blast off. Hello and welcome. This is Curious Question Time. Curious Question Time. Are we doing a uh, a kind of low voiced, close to the mic version? I thought we could. I thought it'd be sounds, kind of fun. It yeah. does sound rather good, yes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, maybe we should step back up to a yeah. regular, regular. So this one is from, and this is for you, this one. So you, you want to pay attention. You can so. have, you can join in, though, lol. I, I'm, I'm I, not I will gonna, join I'm, in. I'm not going to hog the question. <laughs> I will join in. Um, and this is from Eugene Huffman. Nice. Uh, and Eugene says, love your podcast, and I've always been a Banshees boy. Oh, righty-ho. But I have to say, I've enjoyed listening to Lol as well and getting to know him. Hope he's enjoying Los Angeles. We are in North Hollywood here. And Budgie, we have on our destinations list to visit, maybe even eventually end up in Berlin. Hey, see. Although I've been a Banshees fan... Since my long ago high school days, which opened up a new world, whole new world for me, and the music got me through some rough times then. Hmm. If I had to pick between the two, and to be completely honest, the creatures would win out. My partner, Frederick, and I often talk about how excited we were to hear Anima Animus, exquisite dark electronic. Even the gift horse CDs that followed Rocket Ship, Red Wrapping Paper, seemed to hint a continuing in that direction. The song, I'm Here, Another Planet, with Juno Reactor, etc. It it feels that High was a detour that happened in the midst of things, which gave us an entire unique album I also love. And then, of course, after that, things took their own directions, as they often do in life. My question, Eugene actually does have a question. There's a question coming. Okay, because I'm just enjoying it. Again, I'm just enjoying the letter. And I imagine it's like like a letter, Lol. I imagine it like... In a sort of thin leaf paper, you know, blue, yeah. maybe with a slight fragrance on it. You never know. I mean, these are things you don't get an email, do we? Don't get like a no. a, a hint of scent on the no, communicate no. on the correspondence my, anymore. My my brother in Australia wrote me my last handwritten letter that I received, hmm. and and it was on. Uh, he, he was traveling, and he found my book in in an airport. And he bought it because he knew I was writing, but he didn't realize it was out. <laughs> and so he saw a picture of me on the front of this book and thought, I'd better buy that. And he bought it and read it on the plane home uh, back to Australia from wherever he was. And he said, I, I thought I must write you a handwritten letter as opposed to just an email. He said, I'll call you because, you know, it's such a lot of our history together in there and things I want to tell you about, you know, about, about our father and Yes, mum and stuff, and so that was very nice. Oh, that's very sweet to get a handwritten letter from my get, to get the handwritten letter. I I talk about it fondly as if as if I used to get lots, <laughs> lots of handwritten letters with a fragrance in them. Of course, you, I didn't get I any get letters. Those letters that said that said never darken our doorsteps again, and if we ever see you, we'll arrest you. I'm um, sure I used to join clubs just so they would write to me. You know, join yeah. like the the Dinky Toy Model Club. 
Say, look, I've got a letter. Okay, so I'm going to give you Frederick's almost handwritten kind of letter. Okay, letter I'll imagine it, so. Yeah. Yes. It says, my question would be, do hmm. you feel that if the creatures continued, you would have both continued the exploration of drums, percussion, and vocal with electronic elements? Frederick and I often daydream of what that might have been like. Side mm. note, I'm also a fan of Annie Bandez and your live drumming on Bitching Song really brought that track to a whole new level. All of our best, Eugene and Frederick. Wow. So there you go. You have some you have some big big fans. Yes, well, it's very nice to nice to be uh, nice to be um thought about and listened to and commended yeah. and yeah. all those things. And it's an interesting question. Of course, it's it, it posits the idea of continuation where there was none. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and who knows? Oh. It's a bit, I mean, it's, it's, it is, isn't it? Uh, the creatures came out of the Banshees. The Banshees was only one ec more person, really. Right. right. For the bulk of its time. Yeah. In a way, you know, the Banshees that I started were only two people, the one that I joined. Yeah, like I've said to you before, in my mind, you know, the Banshees, they were like that early incarnation and then it all split up. Then when you came along, that was the Banshees. And mm. that is, like you say, just you, Sue, and uh, Severin. And, you know, that that was that was the whole nucleus of everything. So, yeah. We were yeah. kind of at the point of... Going back to, um, yes. I've forgotten his name. Um, Eugene. Eugene's uh, observation that Anima Animus being the the first recording, the first um, music we'd done after the Banshees had right. finished, had stopped. Yeah. Um, we got back together again seven years later for the, the tour, and we actually interrupted what we were doing at that point, I think. Hold on a second. Um what on earth happened there? Just trying to figure out what the scheme of things. But because I know that we'd start, yeah, I think we'd started to do some writing. Yes, we had. And it was whilst doing the, the Banshees reunion that we got the idea and the opportunity to remain in Japan where the tour ended up in Tokyo. Right. And do a session on my birthday. Yeah, I Ooh. think it was in 2002, yeah. which is when the seven-year itch took place. So August 21st, 2002, Leonard, Eto, and myself went into Gox Studios and recorded about an hour and a half's worth of drums. Right. And filmed it at the band called X-Girl, Fujiko, Merilo, and I can't remember the names. But um, so Susie and I stayed behind when everybody else had left. And it was really unexpected, uh, but really spontaneous, which is kind of the way we always thought the best stuff happened anyway. B-sides, um, some, some of the kind of spontaneous, the way the creatures started, it kind yeah. of was spontaneous whilst the band had kind of gone off, you know, John and Steve had gone off for a, a bevy or a right. cup of tea. Yeah. Um, but Anima Animus was kind of caught between the two camps, really. Uh, it was kind of pushing that way, but there was a lot of experimentation with synths and experimentation with like kind of um, atmospherics and looping and and, and um, this was why you were in Japan, right? 
after? No, you see, no, it's after. Ha, ha, yeah, Anima Animus was a studio album, but started in France where we were living, oh, right. okay. and mixed in New York because we thought we should. Because right. yeah, why not? We got right. we got a good deal in the studio, and we thought we, you know, different energy. So we were still thinking in terms of how the Banshees did things, right? But every time the creatures came back together, we we kind of also treated it as a kind of adventure. Yeah. So. You know, we'd been to Hawaii for the first one, and we went to Spain for the second one, Boomerang, and the third one would be um, uh, became Anima Animus. <clears throat> so started in France and finished in New York with sessions in London. Um, it's a long-winded answer, but it's kind of posing like, what would we have done next? Um, as I say, I think by high which was just drums and voice it was a lot more simple in approach right. and so it very much um because i at that point stopped after high stopped playing you know i was helping out junior reactor right is actually right. a call from ben and and yeah. so i became I, I it was a great a kind of a, a release really to not be uh, responsible, not shouldering the uh, responsibility of getting the band together. Right. You know. Right. I was just I became the drummer in a band which I hadn't been for a long time. Right. right. A long time. Okay. Um, and that's kind of what I was doing. And so really, when when you and I got together, right, just just over two years ago. Yeah. And the music we've done together yeah. is kind of more like where I think I wanted to go. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if that's where the creatures would have gone, but I feel that's a long time between the the, the creatures high, you know, in what, yeah. what year was that? Two thousand and four? Right. So we're talking like six sixteen years later. Yeah. Wow, you know that's a long time without yeah. doing any it is. That's, recording. That's as long as my niece has been alive. Um, you know, I think it, you hit a good point there. It's like music always in its best point is like a little adventure as you're going out and doing it. Most things that are, are worthwhile in life are like that, you know. And mm. suddenly, by the process of doing them, you find yourself again, and you find that you're in this right position I, I i went to a, a wedding yesterday and mm -hmm. it was very interesting because you know the person who was officiating the wedding was going you know like what's good about getting married is the fact that you know maybe you have some chaos in your existence you know and suddenly this this relationship brings everything back into focus and, and things are not so chaotic for either for one or for two of you or for both, you know, mm. the whole the whole situation. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, yeah, that's true of of that situation, love, but also, you know, love of creation does that too. It takes, you know, stuff out of the void that's whirring around, you know, yeah. being very ambivalent towards anything can, and you suddenly make something good out of it isn't that strange we 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 hit parallels so many times we I, my wife and i were talking last night i just got yeah. back from a, a trip away you know i'd been away right. from the family for a, over a week and, and prior to that i was away doing some live work yeah and so 
but we we were talking what 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 is it about you know that that the kind of creative energy or something and we also came to the conclusion that it was to do with um it's to do with chemistry and relationship sure absolutely and i know that when i met susie and severin it wasn't long before that i felt a, a special connection to to susie right and it manifested in the first creatures recordings yeah. and then it kind of we we could put it on hold in a way right but by the end of boomerang i think we just kind of in many ways had run run a course yeah and that happens if you like, too that, that happens mm. too i'm sure of it you know it's like yeah and i think that's again is coming round to where we are now the, the opportunistic meeting we had you yes. and i yes you know and with joe and kevin people right. who were around as well right. it was kind of like planets kind of orbiting and coming back into some kind of alignment and yeah and you know it's just it's a strange thing i always knew i'd, I'd have to come to la but i didn't know why and I didn't know how oh. it was going to manifest. Right. I, I, I just said I just said manifest twice. <laughs> well, it's that's what's happening. I mean, it's funny because you're right. I I I think you know. I often say to people, I I used to think when I was a younger man that life was a sort of linear process. You know, you do this, that happens, and then you do yeah. this and other things. And I realised it's not really at all. It's like concentric circles, you know. And you you fall from one or go up to the next one and. You just, you know, you keep circling the same, well, maybe refining the same process because I know what I'm doing with you feels like the best of things that I've ever done, but it feels more refined again with a better, a better palette. I have a better set of tools uh, yeah. emotionally and, 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 you know, spiritually and uh, ph philosophically to deal with everything, which I didn't have yeah. when I was, you know. 19. We've been we've been honing our craft whilst <laughs> waiting. Yeah. So that was a good that was a good Thank question. You. That was a good question. Yeah. Thanks, Eugene. That was really uh, yeah. yeah. It's good That's questions good. that spark the thought. Yeah. Whether That's we are, whether we answer the question or not is another matter. Yeah. We'll leave that to Eugene. Yeah. Well, I think and he, his partner he, and you know, he might come to a conclusion, uh, Eugene and Frederick. They might come to a conclusion in the next. Uh, shorter period of time about what's ha happening and stuff and yeah. they will say ah there is all the connections all right yes number next question no, it's not number anything what am i talking about um <laughs> moving on yeah moving, moving on. swiftly on this is one for me and you this is from josephina sandberg and she says hi lord budgie hi josephina my name is josephina sandberg nicknamed joe hi joe and I'm 16 and from Fairview, Pennsylvania. I'm wondering what you guys think about the band, teenagers now who still worship The Cure and the Banshees. Are you surprised that kids are still listening to your music the way they were 40 years ago? Well, The Cure and the Banshees and other bands will be forever iconic and so important to young people like me. Thank you for the wonderful podcast, Love, Joe. Well. That's 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 a very sweet message, isn't it? It's very nice. It is. It's lovely. Um, but I think that this because put this over to you, Lol. <laughs> are you are you surprised that they 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 youth our our young young people? I don't know. We are looking back to music was was formed when we were young people. Yeah, we like, had that conversation, didn't we, Mister Sergeant, a few months ago? Ah, and, yes, yes, uh, yes. It's like you know his 
he posited, young Will mm. posited, well, he's, uh, he's probably a bit younger than me. He might not be. He might be older than me. Anyway, he said, uh, wouldn't it be weird uh, if, yes. if, if uh, you know, when we were teenagers that we listened to, like, Glenn Miller or, you know, our, our parents' music, you know, which is basically what Josephina's talking about. There are people that are 60 that listen to us and people who are 16, obviously. Um, I'd like to say it's because we were geniuses and we knew that that was going to happen, but I had no bloody idea at all. Of course not, Mm -mm. you know. But I think there's something that maybe was circulating at that time that we put into the music that is relevant at a particular point in your life and relevant to other points as well, but really gets you at that point where you're going from being, uh, you know, being, from being a teenager into being an adult, you know, and it tends to become most apparent then. And I think that's something that that's always going to happen. I mean, you know, if I think about what we listen to as teens, a lot of it is still popular now as well, you know, so... It's uh, it's it, yeah. Music's a universal language, right? And uh, it has something inside. What, what was it? Shakespeare said, "You know, hath charms to calm the savage breast." And mm. uh, it's true. Yeah, it's true. How old? How old Shakespeare? How old Shakespeare? Well, now he's very bloody old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's around anymore. I haven't seen. When him. did it? When did he release his first album? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. You see where I'm, we, see where are, I'm are going. Are we talking about Robbie Shakespeare? Are we talking about no? We're talking about William, William Shakespeare. Hi, okay. Bill. 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 It's, Bill the Bard. No, it struck. It struck me. If you go, if I went to art college, yeah. I went to art college in about the you know early seventies. Yeah. And um, if you ask what was modern art, yeah. you would think it would be something from like current or ten years previous. Yeah. Right. Of course, there was stuff that was happening in the 60s. We had Bridget Riley, we had a lot of uh, op yes. art, we had yeah. abstract expressionism. But modern art was like, you know, modern art was coined around the time of the turn of the century, like 1912, 1914. Right. But, you know, so we're talking, you know, Marcel Duchamp and yeah. um, some great thinkers around. Um I'm trying to think of the like the Dadaists and uh, who were cited a lot in uh, in punk when we we're talking about sure. punk and they say yeah. oh it's influenced by Dada as yeah. if Dada was around in the 60s yeah and and we were like in 19 you know late 70s late 70s and and Dada's way back into like you know before the second world war yeah um it's all it's interesting it's kind of that music as a recorded medium and, and rock and roll, et cetera. But there right. was, you know, a lot of, they were leaning on other cultures as well. Music from other times. You're not going to hear it on the radio, but you're, you somehow find it, it finds its way into the discussion and, and the yeah. melting pot. Um, so I, Glenn Miller is a good one because I used to love putting Glenn Miller on the jukebox in my local pub. Right, I remember you telling me that. I, I was quite surprised. You're a dark horse, Mister B. It's because of the brass, the brass arrangements. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I, I love that clarinet and br- brass thing that was going on, and that found its way into Boomerang, the creature stuff, very much. But it found its way first into blues. It found its way into early Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. 
uh, when Peter Green was still with them. And it from there it found its way to the creatures. Peter Green, it, it, he of the long fingernails, the extra long fingernails. Uh, that's, that's Pete Green. Right. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Especially now. Well, yeah, because he's, he's not around either, is he? So, uh, but, so it, it could be, you know, does it, is it surprising? Not really, no. No. No, it's I I was traveling and I switched the, the TV on in the hotel yeah. just two nights ago. And apart from Sean the Sheep, which I, I think is amazing, right? done by the, the same people who do Creature Comforts and stuff. Um, it's all in French. I was in France. Yeah, that's okay. And then the next thing, that I couldn't I couldn't get to sleep. I turned all the lights up and everything. I thought, I can't sleep. I, get, I need some like background noise. And I switched the TV back on and it was Genesis. And yeah. it's Genesis as they are not quite today, but maybe a few years back when they were doing something in Rome. There was like like ridiculous number of people. It was a free concert, I think. And they were they started, I think, almost started their set with something that was when Peter Gabriel was in the band, an album that I bought when I first went to art college, which was uh, Selling England by the Pound. Oh, okay, yeah. Which may have been in one of your old collection boxes. I'm pretty certain it was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The sun beats down and I lie on the bench. I can always hear them talk, right? Yeah, you can tell me by the you can tell me. Uh, me, I'm just me, a lawnmower. I, you can tell me by the way I walk. Yeah. Du, 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 du. There were ch there were kids in the front row of something like two hundred to f maybe five hundred thousand people. There yeah. was a lot of people in this this wow. huge arena. The huge not wasn't even an arena. It was just a huge sea of people. And down the front there were these teenagers. Not much, you know. Singing along to every every word. It's just it's a curious phenomena, but you know why not? I'm going to ask you a question that that I know curious creatures listeners will be interested. What's your favourite Genesis album? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> see I don't know that many, and I did try and go back to early Genesis because I came I came to them on Selling England by the Pound. Right. And I did because it's great when you watch programs with the the guys from Genesis, and they they call it England that one, and yeah. then they got the the lamb. The lamb, yeah. Well, I have it, to say, they don't, they don't call it the lamb; they call it lamb. Lamb. Yeah, lamb. when we're do, doing lamb, well, I think it was a bit yeah. different with lamb. Yeah. The lamb lies down on Broadway. Right. Which which was a great title and a great concept, but for me, and I looked at Nursery Crimes, and I looked at yeah. Foxtrot, and I looked and. And I can't even then realized there was a lot of stuff I didn't really, I, I was just, I really, I really liked it, almost the accessible start side of the thing. I liked Gabriel's lyrics, if yeah. they were his lyrics yeah. all, but it was a similar thing. <clears throat> so I'd say the, uh, I'd say selling England by the pound. Selling Can you tell me where my country lies? So the uniform to his true love's eyes. <laughs> Gabriel was off his head, right? He was a nutter. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> well, I I like the very earliest albums with things like Watcher of the Skies on stuff because it was very, very super dramatic and it was great to play loud when you're like 12 years old in your bedroom. Um, yeah. Otherworldly. Yeah. But the one the album that I really still like even today, which we weren't allowed to say back in 1979 when we were all punks, um, no, because you had to hide them. Yeah, had yeah. to hide them. Yeah, um, Lamb. You like Lamb? Lamb's like Genesis punk album. It really yeah. is. So, and it's very mystical. 
it's mystical punk really yeah mystical punk for old older people so it, it was kind of yeah cool so that was my favorite you never hear us talk about the uh, genesis in in, in, no. in you know <clears throat> that's why i thought i'd bring it up <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, yeah, well, I brought it up first. I'm, I, yes, I must admit, you did. I, uh, you did. You and and it's. Uh, I wish Phil. You know, I, I met him once, yeah. very briefly. Yeah, he won't remember because it was in the toilets at uh, Top of the Pops down in Shepherd's Bush. Oh uh, yeah, no, he definitely won't remember it. Then, will he? No, because no, he was walking. Out. I think he had his saxophone with him. He might have had a sax. I can't remember. Maybe I made that part up, but because you can when you when you remember things. So Phil Collins walks in. I'm sure it was a saxophone he was holding. Oh, I'm not sure it was. Right. Anyway, and uh, and it was just like, all right, mate. So, all right, mate. Yeah. And he was probably doing one of his solo things. It probably wasn't with the band. Right. It was probably, right. you know, Phil doing. Because he's a bit of a geezer, isn't he? He's a bit of a. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. a geezer. Yeah, as I've heard. Yeah. Um, so here's a drumming question. This seamlessly tails into the next question, which is a drumming question. Okay. And it says, Hi, Budgie. This is from Keith Willett. Uh, Keith says, Hi, Budgie. Keith, drummer from early 80s band The Void, asks. So he's putting his thing in the, the third person. Um, ever played a Ludwig Black Beauty snare drum, Budgie? What do you think of them? Uh, <laughs> used a superphonic in those days and restarted drumming a couple of years back and bought a virtually unused one on eBay. The resonance ringing you get is something you can really play off rhythmically. Loving it and always loved your drumming. Well, I, I'm going to leap in with two feet here just beforehand. because Because, Keith, I had a Black Beauty. I had a Black mm -hmm. Beauty and I played it. and I know exactly what you're talking about. That bugger rings like buggery. And you have to get the old gaffer tape out and put lots of it all over the drum to get that big but really kind of, you know, deady sound. Um, I... Indeed, it's, it's it's a good gear question, isn't it? I, yeah, it's I'm, a good gear question. I, 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 and I'd love to. I, I I never had one. I never had a Ludwig uh, no. Black Beauty. No. They were always around. In fact, they were always requested in studios. Yes, yes. Get get the Black Beauty. Yes. And and it was one of those that was requested when you were renting a kit, which yeah. is came along later, because of course we used to travel with our own kits. Yes. Luckily. Yes. So uh, mine was. Uh, Mostly the Gretsch kit, yeah. um, and the snare drums. They always changed because yeah. I could never find the one that made the right sound for everything. Uh, I, I think it, it was probably because we, we, you know, we tried so many different ones in the studio for the recordings, yeah, and then trying to just getting the one that worked well live. Um, I think I ended up with ridiculous. I had like pearl snare drums that sounded good. Right. They. They had these free floating shells. That was a new concept. Or something. Yeah. But, and that's really drum companies like always trying to bring something new to the table, right. really to drum up, you know, get people interested in their yeah. drums, I suppose. I suppose the Ludwig drums were classic. They didn't change that much. Interestingly, it's a metal, metal shell. Yes. And that was always the most uh, useful and the one that worked and cut through. Because yeah. we're a loud band, you know. Right. Banshees were yeah. a three-piece loud band. Right. I had um, I had a couple of uh, deep metal snares from from John Bradbury from the specials. I I bought them off of him because he. Well, those were like like twelve-inch deep yeah, ones. Or yeah. Something. And I bought those off of him, and that was the same reason because those things were 
loud. And that's like a military, military, yeah. a military marching snare. Yeah, yeah, they were very loud, and, and I loved them. But, you know. Yeah, but you had to get the snare stand down as low as possible because otherwise you couldn't. You know, you were you were playing it like you were tipping on the on the tipping on the topping, as they say. Oh, those! I don't things. think they say that the, at all. But the, you know. the, the, I, the Gretsch kit had a twenty-four-inch kick drum, bass drum. I think yeah. it was a twenty-four. It might have only been a twenty-two. But the rack tom, the centre rack tom, was fifteen by fourteen. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was like size of floor tom. Yeah, almost. Yeah, and a, quite a lot of drummers. The guy from XTC had very Terry, big toms. Terry Chambers. Ter- he had. He liked big toms, didn't he? He yeah. liked big concert toms where Andy would stick his head inside them as as Terry was playing on stage, which. Thinking about it, it must have been very painful. But yeah. Yes, Andy wouldn't have noticed the pain. We're talking about Andy Partridge. who played with the Cure. Oh, no, Andy, no, XTC. No, no, no okay. I'm talking about the talking about the singer in XTC. Well, that explained that, that explains everything. That's <laughs> like, uh, everything about XTC that I wondered about explains it. That Andy Partridge put his head inside yeah. Terry Chambers. Terry Chambers. Terry Chambers. Yeah. Yeah. Put him. Yeah. As he's playing. No, but. Uh, what my point was, it was to do with the size of the depth of the drums that yeah. we just went like, wow, they're big, they're great. And you set them up and you go, how do, how do I get my hands up on top of th-? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You get, you get long, longer sticks, so you start using yeah. long sticks, and that's like a, that makes you play differently again. Yeah. All these things were kind of going the wrong way about it. Everybody else, I, I've seen in, in so many uh, things about drumming, Yeah, they're about feel and um, and, and and emulating your favourite drummer, yeah. we were all out there going like, "What's the biggest kit that's yeah. loud?" We went the opposite could, way. We went the opposite way. Well, we had to good. find we had to find sort of decorum and gentilité a bit later, you know. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.